taste of dragons gaming podcast. We eat sandwiches and play games. Taste of dragons gaming podcast. A podcast for everyone's taste. Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of Taste of Dragons, the Toddcast, the video game podcast that all you astronauts listen to. This week, on the concrete sphere, a hitman found the way out called Tohu. The news is changing gears. Our topic is money conscious. And our dragon this week is a capital man. Musician, Fahim Rashid Najim. And as always, I'm just trying to math my way to greatness, Brian. And I'm seriously thinking about shaving my head bald and tattooing a barcode on it. My name is Troy. I've already kickstarted three farming sims this year, and I don't think I can stop. I'm Manda. And I'm thinking of becoming maybe a painter, an artist. Oh, probably not. My name's Lewis. And I am obsessed with the king of auto-tune. My name is Joe. Hey, hey, guys. Is is T-Pain the king of auto-tune? Why, yes. <laughs> yes, he, he is. is. <laughs> really? So there's like the king of rock and roll. You got uh, Elvis Presley. And the king of pop is MJ. And then the king of auto-tune is T-Pain. I mean, yeah. That would be correct. Of course. I mean, hey, he's the one who first came to your mind when she said king True. of auto-tune, oh, isn't damn, he? you're right. Damn, you did you're it. Right. You did it. Damn. <laughs> All hail. All hail, long live the king. I mean, honest, nothing came to my mind when you said king of auto-tune, but that's just me. That's just my lack of musical knowledge. It's okay. It's okay. He's he's worth every bit of auto-tune joy he brings the world. Didn't he every sing? win like that uh the mask singer award or something like that for actually yes, singing he, did. With, he sang without autotune and no one knew it was him because he played the long game Whoa. Oh. that's correct he has a beautiful singing voice that i will explain later I yeah and he actually <laughs> yeah. has an yes, amazing voice yeah yeah that, that show's all right <laughs> <laughs> that show's all right <laughs> <laughs> but the show's like the show's like an hour long. You can just watch like a like a minute long clip on YouTube and get everything from that you need from it. Brought to you by a couple that doesn't own cable. Right? <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a little biased. I apologize. It's kind of like a couple of shows like Game of Thrones. You just watch the first five minutes and the last five minutes, and you get mostly of what happened in the episode. <laughs> ah, boobs and then blood. Okay, cool. cool. Boobs right. and Game blood. Of <laughs> Got Game <it>. of Thrones. <laughs> But you know, let's get into our games this week. What are you playing? And uh, Lewis, would you like to start us off this yeah, week? Yeah, sure. I can start us off. This week I played Concrete Genie, which Ooh. yeah, which I believe is the free game of the month for PS yes. Plus. That's right. One of the three. Hell yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> I've known about this game for a while. I think you played it, Troy. I remember you talking about it and like talking about like its art style and the beauty of it. And I went to go play yeah. it because it's free, so why not? And I only really played the beginning, yeah. <laughs> but it is a beautifully enjoyable game. <laughs> and it's very reminiscent of Coraline, is what I got from the oh, art style. Okay. Um, or at least the character design art style. Mm. And. Like it was, it's just filled with like beautiful neon colors, and I usually this game incorporates a lot of motion control of the controller, which I almost always hate. Always, if I can avoid it, I don't do it because <laughs> it's dumb. Otherwise, I would just buy a Wii controller. <laughs> um, <laughs> you would go back in time yes. to when the Wii was popular exactly. and buy a Wii controller and then play that. Yep. But you did like the oh. Wii co- you did like the Wii motion controls, but not anywhere else except for Wii. I barely liked it on the Wii. Even when, even 
it was tolerable. I avoided motion games when I played the Wii. I never had a Wii, but I knew people that did. But <laughs> I thought you were actually just talking about a tiny controller when you said a Wii oh, controller. A little Wii I was controller. Like, oh, just using a tiny no. controller. <laughs> little Wii controller. But it, a Wii little controller. In this game, it's incorporated, and I think. Is it like Mario Sunshine? Are you like using a flood to like clean things up or spray paint things? You're or? using a paintbrush to paint on walls. So yeah, okay. so I guess in the same way that in Sunshine, you're kind of using it to wipe things down. I'm using it to create things. What cool. are you creating? Uh, art, uh, creatures and scenery and creatures to help me along this journey of cleaning up this kind of darkened part of town that has become corrupt is what it seems Mm -hmm. again i only really played the beginning but i think what the game does really well so far is that it from the beginning it shows you the motion controllers and it makes you do it multiple times like a lot it makes you do it a lot so then you can get used to it immediately and you can get the hang of it immediately instead of showing you way later oh and now motion control because i would set it on fire (laughs) and not want to do it (laughs) wow that's strong opinions well because even when i started playing it and it said oh you're gonna have to use motion control to paint stuff and as i'm painting it looks like i i'm painting with like the crevice of my arm instead of hand because it looks terrible. Right. <laughs> uh, I looked up online. I'm like, is there a way in options to change it? And there isn't. So I just... Do you... Have you gotten used to it better or... No, or yeah, what? I have because it's forced me into it. I've definitely gotten used to it more. And I've created some really nice scenery and I can't wait to see okay. where the game takes me. And the art styles, it mixes like two nice. or three art styles. Yeah. So. It was in my top 10 games for for that year, I think 2019 when it came out. Understandable. Uh, I hope I you think enjoy so. it. Yeah, same here. Cool. All right. So then, uh, what about you, Joe? What did you play this week? I got to finally finish a game that we were both playing on stream. It was A Way Out. Oh yeah. Yep. We finished that this week, and I wanted to talk about how disappointed I was in how it had to end. <laughs> um, I really liked the game a lot. It was a co-op, uh, third-person sh- semi-shooter, semi-driving. Prison Break like, game. Prison Break game, exactly. Mm-hmm. And it it was a ton of fun. There was so many fun mini games in it. There was darts. There was like balance games. There was helping each uh, each arm other wrestling. like you know, get out of. Uh, oh, arm wrestling, which was dope. I had a great time playing this game, and we played it on our stream, actually, for the last, I want to say, three weeks or so. Yeah, three weeks. Um, it's not a terribly long game, but it's totally worth the time invested in it. The story's very good, I think. I, a lot of the foreshadowing, I think, is very clear in it until you get to the actual end where you're like, oh, nope, nope, I, I did not expect this to go here. <laughs> right. So, uh, you know what? Uh, skip about a minute or a half if you don't want to hear what happens at the end of this. So, spoil- I'm going to spoiler. spoiler alert you right now. Spoiler. <laughs> Yo, guys, I loved this game until literally the end. <laughs> I did not want to have to kill either of them. Yeah, That was messed up. I was so upset. <laughs> Troy and I also played this game together, and we felt the exact same way. It got to the end, and we were like, oh, maybe if we just try to game it. Maybe we'll like walk around. Maybe we'll run at a time. Maybe we won't. like. And it was just like, yeah. it didn't matter how it ended because I was going to be disappointed either way. Yep. Yeah. It didn't matter which one of them had to die because one of them has to die either way. I was so pissed at the end of that that I was like, are we really doing this? Do I do I have to actually press this button and actually finish the game by? Oh, I don't like this at all. Because it just seemed especially the the shooting just seemed forced at the very end, because even though I, I get it, they were both pissed off at each other and they were both very angry about what happened. I don't know if that's the route 
that you know that that it would have right. went personally I, I think, that that I could see. I think conceptually, from a gameplay uh, standpoint, the idea that it's this co-op game, and in the very final uh, chapter, you have to turn on each other. I think that's brilliant mm-hmm. by itself. And Agreed. I think even the shootout is fine just to like get that anger out. But in the end, when Agreed. it comes down to okay, our guards are down. We've had our fight. We've had our aggression. The the fact that you that it wasn't just you went story beat the story beat. Instead, you were playing darts and arm wrestling and playing horseshoes. You created a friendship that extended mm-hmm. beyond just the story beats of the game. So then when it came to that moment, it's like I don't know what the game thought we would be, but we're like good friends now. <laughs> to the point yeah. that we wouldn't kill each other. We would probably find some type of solution here. And it just didn't give mm-hmm. you that that option to, I, to realize. I think it, it just com- like com- got a conflict thematically. It's like they wanted you to play mini games and then build up this competition, and then in the end have like one final competition. And I think if the game were cartoony and didn't take itself as seriously, I totally would have been on board with that. But because it was yeah. so serious and you had like this emotional <laughs> attachment to both these characters, then it's like, and now I want you to get rid. And it was just like, no, I can't. I don't want to get rid of my character. Or your I love both of them. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Agreed. Yep. I, it, the journey was too pure. That was. It was not. I don't think they expect people to like them as much as they do. But they're both extremely likable. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And I. I didn't. I didn't want it to end like that. And I. I don't know what it would have been like had my character been the one that died. But I probably still wouldn't be happy about it. So mm-hmm. I don't know if I'll play it again because I am so upset about how that has to end that I don't know if I want to live through that again to know. Yeah. <laughs> I, it was just. Great game. Really sad ending. Really Agreed. looking Agreed. forward to the next great. game that the creator's making, which is a, a straight-up couples game. It looks um, super cute. I hope they, nice. they, awesome. they probably will take what they learned from here and make an even better version of it. Agreed. Agreed. Sweet. So that was A Way Out. Nice. And then what about you, Troy? What did you play this week? I got to play Hitman 3. Uh, I think it came out, like, Ooh. what, the 20th? It's within two weeks. You know what? I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it to it. Here it is. It is a new, new release. release. Hitman Three is made by IO Interactive. It is a stealth assassination game where you play Agent Forty Seven and you are dropped in a very populated area and you're given a target to take down or files you need to steal and then you have to use all your wits about you to disguise yourself and trick people and and your combat skills to to get the job done. And bananas. And lots and lots of hitting people in the face with bananas. <laughs> Just beaming them from across the room. Uh, I am digging this game. Uh, I have not played a modern... Hitman 47 is the true Fruit Ninja. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> fruit Ninja. Uh, I have not played a, uh, a Hitman game from this modern era. The last Hitman game I played was in like 2004. It was like the second Hitman game ever made. And it was, I was at a friend's house. I don't know. I didn't really get too much from it then as far as just like, oh, it's a video game and I'm in college, so whatever. But this game is smart. I've watched videos of it played over years. I thought it was fine. Uh, but I never, I didn't really know what I was getting into. And I thought that it was just, hey, you're dropped into this environment. Here's your, here's who you need to assassinate and do it however you want. And I was excited to be able to finally be in control of Agent 47. I was a little bit scared because when I got in, instead of it just saying, hey, just go and figure it out, it actually puts you on rails and gives you like very hard suggestions. Like here's where you need to go to do this. Now do this, now do that. And I was like, Oh, that kind of bums me out. I wanted to figure that stuff out myself. I didn't want you to hold my hand and tell me, you know, how to do all the cool, funny assassinations, exploding golf balls and and whatnot. Um, But then I realized what the game actually was. And it wasn't necessarily that it was going to handhold my way through um, the game. 
the the joy of that game is going back into that level after you have beaten it the way that they want you to and then just experimenting and tugging and pulling at all the different corners of the spaces of that environment they've made a really good controlled space that is super super detailed that almost borderlines on like immersive theater to me because the more you play it, the more conversations you eavesdrop on or the more characters you follow, you start putting together this overall story that just one playthrough doesn't get you. And it kind of reminds me of, um, what's that show in New York with the masks? Sleep sleep No More? Yeah. Sleep No More? It kind of reminds me of that kind of immersive theater where you're dropped in this house and then you decide if you're going to go upstairs, downstairs, left, right. And depending on where you go, you get a different story, a different uh, experience. This game is that. Cool. And like Mission Impossible (laughs) at the same time because you are still trying to kill somebody. My favorite level so far is I was contracted to kill the head of a household. And this head of a household had hired a detective to solve a murder mystery in her huge mansion. So I knocked out the detective, became that detective, and then I had to solve a murder mystery while planning a murder. (laughs) (laughs) A thousand percent, Troy immediately forgot that he was an assassin. It was a thousand percent that detective. It was like Agent 47, don't forget, you you have to kill somebody. Shh, 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 shh. quiet, 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 quiet. See, see, but but Emma Carlisle, she is actually the real aunt of this person, and I'm pretty sure I found this letter. Hold on, I'm putting it together. Um, It was... uh, the the fact that this is the third one, it is a culmination of the past two games, all the best parts, and they're also finding new ways to innovate so that you're not just getting the same kind of repetitive gameplay, I think is super smart. I'm about halfway through, and I'm already sad that this game is going to end one day, <laughs> but it looks like it has a lot of replayability, so five yeah, out of yeah. five sandwiches so far. Can't wait to play more. Hitman 3. Nice. And then what about you, Amanda? What did you play this week? This week I played Tohu from Fire Art Games. It's a hand-drawn point-and-click adventure game. It is available on Steam, and it is also available on Switch. It's like a mystery puzzle solver game. You're a little girl who can turn into a robot, and you live on a giant fish that is powered by a machine, and your machine breaks down, and you have to go fix your magical mystery fish machine. Just a regular Thursday, as far as I'm concerned. You know, things happen. (laughs) Uh, You got to go to other fish to visit your uncle, who's also made out of machine parts, and it's, it's adorable. It's very well drawn. And the 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 story is very simple because I the art is like the focus. I uh-huh. got a, a little frustrated at one point because there are definitely instances where I missed an element because I didn't see it. So maybe I'll, I'll maybe I won't play as much handheld. I'll, maybe I'll play more on the screen. Was it the fifth element? No, it wasn't. St- dear God, <laughs> dear dear God. <laughs> But thankfully, the game also has a hint system. So if uh, you get stuck, you can go into the menu. And it's really cute. Instead of giving you a hint, there's a little lock icon and then cursor that bounces back and forth. And you have to click it in the right rhythm for it to unlock. And it's not its not hard, but it's also not easy. So you can't just go look at a hint whenever you want. You have to, like, want it. You have to earn the hint. Wow. That's great. So how far into the game are you so far? I am on the fifth fish. Ooh. <laughs> fifth fish is kind of hard to say. Fifth fish. It is. Fifth fish. I'm on the fifth fish. Sounds like Fitbit. Fitbit. I got a new fifth fish. Got a new fifth fish. Man, if only Dr. Seuss was alive, he'd be eating this up right now. <laughs> but it, it's nice because it's got it's got regular puzzles and then it's got like um 
like some of this, the, the stuff you'd expect to see in an adventure game, like there's a, a mm-hmm. whack-a-mole like game and uh, obviously, you know, collecting the items and putting them together and then fixing stuff. So it's been, it's been a lot of fun. Right on. Nice. Cool. All right. So that was um, Tohu. Where, where'd you get Tohu on Steam? I got it on Switch. On Switch. Sorry, sorry. Cool. Oh, Switch. Nice, nice, nice. All right. And then uh, lastly is me. Uh, I played this week a game called Dyson Sphere Program. And yes, Dyson like the vacuum, but no <laughs> relation to the vacuum. <laughs> we'll see about that. So in case you're wondering what a Dyson Sphere is, uh, it was a concept actually that was in a book from the 1937, I believe. Uh, but it was actually popularized by a person in 1960 called Freeman Dyson, which is where the name comes from. Wow. And what it is, is basically it's a way to collect energy from the sun. And so what you do is you build a sphere around it in order to collect the energy from it. So that way it captures all the energy from the sun versus, you know, and which is what civilizations might need in order to get enough energy to make it outside their galaxy or their solar system or whatever. So I want to hear about this game, but I also want to hear more about this concept of putting a box around the sun. I'm very curious. Yes. Oh, it's it's a great concept. You should look it up. Like it was it was great because I actually knew about this concept before this game even happened. Uh, and so when this game happened, I was like, wait, are they actually talking about this? And they are. Why why isn't gift wrapping the sun in cyberpunk? <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, but the basic concept of this game is if you've ever played like a Factorio or a Satisfactory, basically it's building uh, machines in order to make stuff, that type of stuff. And so what you are is you are, uh, it's a third person kind of ish uh, game where you are on top of a planet or a moon and you are trying to harvest its resources in order to make things in order to um, progress further into the game. And then eventually you can make a Dyson sphere around your actual sun that you that you are orbiting. But the real fun part about this is, yeah, you know, the 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 factory portions of it are great. But the actual true amazingness of this is that you are actually inside of a procedurally generated uh, solar system slash star system. Oh, so you're in no man's sky. Hey, pretty much. However, unlike no man's sky, this actually does have you actively orbiting and rotating on your planet or moon. It is so cool. And so as you're on this planet, you're actually seeing, you know, the outside. You're like, if you look up, you see the stars. If you, if you look out, you see the sun actually setting and, uh, and rising. If you're on the moon, you actually see the, the planet that you're, that you're orbiting. That's cool. And uh, you can actually go planet to planet to get more resources and so, but when you do that, though, you have to figure out where your planet is that you want to go to. So you oh. have to look up into the wow. sky to find it because it's constantly changing because so, it's always orbiting. I was imagining because this is an automation game that this was like a top down perspective game. What what, what perspective are you playing from? Uh, this is a free perspective. You are your character oh, okay. that you have. It's third person. The However, third person, you can okay. change your yeah, you can change your camera however you want. It is always centered on your person, but you can rotate it around your but person. But you are playing up, as down. one character in this world, Correct. not like the the master of all factories, like a sim or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of like a sim, but you are the only character. Okay. So you basically are you're the one that's building everything. Woo, it's um, up to you. It is an extremely amazing game. Uh, especially if you do like the automation games, which I love. Um, it, this is, it's so worth it. I've probably put close to 30 or 40 hours into it. Okay. And I'm nearing the end of it. And right this on. is also still in alpha, by the way. I, I, I think this is still in beta, actually, technically. Uh, this was made by five people in China. Oh, wow. That also. always blows my and mind. And it's amazing looking. Like, 
so amazing looking. But yeah, that's my uh, game, Dyson Sphere Program. <laughs> <laughs> when he said that's what he was playing, I thought he said Dice and Sphere, like D-I-C-E, Dice. Because uh, yeah. I immediately thought, oh, the vacuum cleaner. Oh, wait, no. He said Dice and Sphere. He probably means like it's a dice rolling game. Cool. Sounds awesome, Brad. Whatever. <laughs> and then I walked by. I'm like, what are you playing? And he's like, automation games called Dice and Sphere. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. That's right. You said Dice and Sphere. He goes, no, it's like like the vacuum. Dice it. You know, dice it. And I'm like, what? Really? Damn it! The one the time dice? I thought I got it, Dice and Spear would make an amazing pub name. Yeah, Dice and Spear, I would right? drink that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Right? <laughs> I agree. <laughs> so that will do it for our games. Now brings us to our news segments. News, 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 Bringing it back, y'all. So this week, we're actually going to start with a little bit of a sad news. Uh, ZeniMax co-founder Robert Altman passed away this week. Um, and in case you're wondering, ZeniMax sounds familiar. ZeniMax is actually the parent company of Bethesda, ID Software, among many other corporations. Yeah, I, uh, I forget how old he was. but 73. Actually, yeah, 73. Thank you. Uh, he was actually an amazing person as well. His wife was actually Linda Carter, Wonder Woman Get Linda Carter. Oh, what? Aww. Which is also one of the main reasons why she voiced so many characters in Bethesda games and oh. I, you know, those types of things is because <laughs> I'm sure she could have done it another way, but you know it's it's a pretty easy in when that's that's your <laughs> when your husband's the uh, the CEO of the parent company or they were like uh, so yeah, hey we news. need a we need a voice and then she's they're like oh well you know you're you're here you I mean you want you want to do it while you're here and she's like oh fine <laughs> <laughs> she actually just rotated really fast and then came back around it's like all right I'm ready. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> But yeah, so, so our thoughts are with all of them. Yeah, uh, love to that. the Carter. Absolutely. Um, and then to help us off that news, though, we have some fun news that Lego is making a Sonic the Hedgehog set. A set? Gotta go fast. A set. <laughs> it's gonna be a set. <laughs> There's gotta be, like, speed runs to see, like, how fast you can build it. <laughs> oh, my God. That's gonna be amazing. How I upset agree. do you think Sonic <laughs> is that Mario got a Lego set before he did? Like I know he's upset, but like how no, upset? Sonic's not upset anymore. He's he lost a long time ago. Sonic's this is just normal. This is just Sonic's life. Yeah, Sonic also won the movie game. Yeah, I was just about so to say. Sonic right. won when it came right. to movies. Sure. Sonic, <laughs> Sonic did win the movie game. <laughs> we don't know what the set's going to entail yet, uh, but they have officially given it the green light, which is cool. Um, and then also in some fun news, Genshin Impact developers MiHoYo had their annual employee meeting, and they gave away Nintendo Switches, PS5s, and graphics cards. Uh, but what makes it great is that the employees, um, the way that they got all those things was through a lottery system, you know, a gotcha system, if you oh, will, God. which is what the game employs. Gotcha. <laughs> so the employees had a 30% chance for a Switch, a 21% chance at an NVIDIA graphics card, a 16% chance for a PS5, and then a 1% chance for an Apple Watch iPhone combo. Wow. <laughs> oh, well, a, a 30% chance for a Switch is really good. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, th I think they were guaranteed something. It was just what it was, was, you know, good luck. <laughs> and I, I think it's just amazing that that's what they employed. And this was on top of their actual, uh, like, bonuses that they got and all that other jazz. So so great job, MiHoYo, for, for, yeah. for in staying true to your to yourself and they deserve it genshin impact has made a huge uh splash in the gaming industry this past oh, year absolutely so. i thought you were gonna say impact <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! <I'm> just 
You missed it. Yeah, I think their first month, I think they made like four hundred million dollars or something like that. Holy something crazy. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, got him. <laughs> and then now switching gears, Gearbox, makers of Borderlands, has been bought by the Embracer Group, uh, which is the same company that owns THQ Nordic. Okay. So it's actually a Swedish-based company, um, and they own, I think, like nine g- different game studios as well. Mm. Um, it actually sold for $363 million, but it has a further incentive of $1 billion more if they hit agreed financial and operational targets for the next six wow. years. Wow. So Wow, that's going to be a lot of that, pressure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a hell of an incentive right there. Yep. So as far as the... Uh, the press release that they did, they're not going to change anything. There's just basically an influx of cash. Like, hey, do what you guys need to do. We'll we'll provide <laughs> it. You know, whatever you guys need, we'll do it, which is good. Hopefully, it'll work out. And then finally, the Mass Effect Legendary Edition got a release date, which is May 14th. Uh, and this is the remastered version of the first three Mass Effect games that will contain all of the DLC that has been previously released. Uh, for all of the games, with the exception of one. Uh, the DLC is called Pinnacle Station, and the reason for it is that its source code was corrupted and unrecoverable. Wow. Oh, gosh. Was that was that DLC yeah. for Mass Effect 1 or 2? Yeah, it was for 1. It was, it was for, for 1. one. Okay. And it was actually one of the ones that didn't really add a whole lot to the game. They were still figuring out what expansions were for DLC games or for games like uh, back then yeah they did so this dlc actually was outsourced to a third-party company and okay. so that was the reason why they didn't have it initially and then when they went to put it onto the ps3 i think it was like five years ago or something like that maybe a little yeah. longer than that when they tried to get the source code then the exact same thing happened they realized that the source code was corrupt and that they couldn't actually Just cut it they couldn't Just do anything it. with it so even for the ps3 version they did it wasn't in there that's fine um and so yeah, exactly. Lewis, you thinking about playing some Mass Effect, bud? I mean, it comes out. I know, I know you com- haven't played any yet, com- right? I haven't, and it comes out six days before my birthday. So, is there a price? Right? Is there a price for it? Um, I think it is sixty dollars, if I remember correctly. It might be seventy, that but I think steal. it might be steal. Maybe worth seventy. That is a steal. Oh yeah, it's worth. That it. is a steal, especially yeah. if they're going to upgrade a lot of the things. I- I'm not a. I'm, no, not a bi- I'm not a big fan of Mass Effect One, so I, I know you're probably going to start there, but don't let that turn you <laughs> off. Just in case, just just go in knowing it, it did a lot of groundbreaking things <laughs> at the time. Uh, they are retuning it as well, so okay, they are making good. Mass Effect One more like the combat, more like Mass Effect oh, nice. Two. So they are good. readjusting things that they've learned along the way. And it's just Mass Effect okay. 1, 2, so and 3. So it is going to make it for a better right? experience. Mm-hmm. Correct. Okay. There, yeah. there are no other Mass Effects. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. And there are no other Indiana Jones besides 1, 2, and 3. I teased. Exactly. The drama was fine. It wasn't great, but it was fine. It was fine. It isn't exactly. good enough for the legendary bundle. <laughs> it's yeah. not legendary, no. All right. I look yeah. forward to possibly it's- seeing you play that, bud. <laughs> yeah, it'll be great. And so uh, that'll do it for our news. But we still have time for a Twitch shout out from Troy. That's right. Are you all having a good time here listening to this podcast? Well, you know what? The fun doesn't have to stop when this podcast stops. No, 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 no. Because we are actually on twitch.tv backslash taste of dragons six days a week we are a group of friends that are comprised of six separate dragons that's what we call ourselves sometimes <laughs> and we each have our own unique fun programming throughout the entire week so jump onto our instagram and 
check out our schedule to see what we will be showing next. But speaking of Instagram, you can follow us at Taste of Dragons. That's where we post our schedule for Twitch and our podcast, and also some other fun content that we've got rummaging about in our heads. But you know, not everything can rummage around our heads. Sometimes things seem to rummage around online, especially on Twitter. And that's where Manda is in charge of cultivating a really awesome relationship with independent game developers and uh, and the community that surrounds them. Manda, do you have a game that you have seen this week that you would like to highlight for us? I do. And actually, if you have noticed from my intro, I'm a very big fan of farming simulators. And this week, I would like to give a shout out to Coral Island, which is a new farming simulation that is coming out. It is beautifully made. Um, They have posted a lot of really wonderful pictures uh, with things that you don't normally see in in farming sim games like goats Goats. and dragon fruits and mermaids that also look Ah. like koi fish. And uh, (laughs) if if they get enough money on the Kickstarter, you're also going to be able to collect bugs and put them in a museum, which sounds like another game that we all know and love. Uh, (laughs) If you're interested in farming simulations and you want to kickstart something, Coral Island is now on Kickstarter. Hell yeah. Thank you, Mandy. Uh, so check us out on Twitter. Check us out on Instagram. Check us out on twitch.tv backslash Taste of Dragons. And before we leave, talking about Twitch, we have actually highlighted a special comment from the Twitch channel this week that we will read at the end of this podcast. Hey, maybe it's your comment that we're reading. So keep listening and uh, find out if it's you. Back to you, Brian. Sweet. So yeah, as I said, that's the end of the news. But now that brings us to our Mighty Morsel Tasty Topic. Mighty Morsel Tasty Topic. And this week is going to be brought to us by Manda. With a handful of games breaking that $70 price tag, we wanted to discuss how much would you pay for a video game? And by you, I mean we, because we're on the podcast. How much money would we pay for video games, guys? Uh... So with the release of the new generation, uh, we've seen video games come out at the, at the $70 price tag. And I know we're all loath to pay more for video games, but it brought up that age-old discussion of like, how much should video games cost and how much would you pay for a video game? So, so maybe we'll just start by going around the room and what's the most you would pay for a video game? And I'm not saying like a video game with a statue, a, a video game with a t-shirt and like shares of stock. I mean like just a disc or a discless video game. I think my cap is a hundred bucks. Okay. Yeah, I think, I think that's probably what I would go for. I mean, there's a lot of context there to go into it. But if I'm just like, hey, here's a video game that I want and, and just, just a video game that I really want. I think a uh, hundred bucks is probably where my cap is currently. Okay. Uh, for myself, I think I'm around like 80 to $85. I know eighty four ninety nine would be a really weird price point, but for some <laughs> reason in my brain, it's just like, I, th- th- I think that's my cap. If I see a nine anywhere, you know, at the beginning, I think that might be too much. So I think for myself, it's probably around like the 80 to $85. I think for me, a lot of the time it depends on the kind of game it is, but I could probably go to a hundred bucks depending on the type of game it is. Like okay. I could, I'm in the ninety to a hundred range, I think, like as the max where I would be like, oh, okay, no game's worth a hundred dollars. Yeah, can come with some <laughs> with all of the cool things that Manda already said. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm at I think I'm at ninety nine. I think once it gets to that third <laughs> Did digit, you I... just prices right me. <laughs> See, I'm, well, yeah. I'm thinking the same thing that Brian is. Is as soon as it becomes three digits, it becomes frightening. <laughs> it does. Yeah. What about you, Lewis? I'm at. Uh, 
I'm barely at 70, but I guess 80 would be my max, uh, which isn't to say that the games I've played definitely after playing them, I'm like, oh yeah, this game is worth more than what I paid for. But that's after I played it and after I figured that out. I don't know that before I play it. <laughs> no, you're right. No, you're absolutely right. So you don't know what you're going to get until you've already paid for it. Right. I mean, right. So, well, you know, you might pay. That's where yeah. the fun part of expansions and DLC come come to play. Like like for Overwatch, like I played Overwatch, I played 60 bucks for it, and uh, their DLC is free. You can just get it for free. But every once in a while when they have a costume that costs real money, I'm like, yep, yeah, no, this is yours because I feel like I owe you for the amount of time that I've spent with your game. So I feel like they know that and they there are ways for them to get money from you after you realize that they probably deserve more. Troy brings up a good point. So now that we've all thrown out our very large numbers, uh, what is your criteria for that game? What what would make or break being able to buy it? Because like for me, length of game is very important. Oh, definitely. Like if it's a th- yeah. if it's a four hour experience, you're not getting ninety dollars. I don't care how good that four hours <laughs> is. I'm gonna expect a little more time. Exactly. From my ninety cap, I'm thinking like like a Mass Effect or like 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 a Dragon Age, like a Skyrim, something that's got like scope. Assassin's yeah, Creed. My, my criteria is the Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I literally spent a hundred bucks on that game because I bought the game and the the, the season pass, which will have all of the DLC and content that comes out for the next year. I pretty much invested in the next two years of Assassin's Creed for me by purchasing that. So that would be the criteria for me. If I'm spending a hundred bucks, like I know I'm going to get a nice chunk of a game. And I already know that I'm going to like that game because I'm a huge Assassin's Creed fanboy. Mm -hmm. So like for me, that's why the cap would be at a hundred for me. If it's something that I really want. And I know that, like you said, Mandy, it's got some, some legs to stand on. And I mean, we know it's going to happen. So, like, Lewis, what does this game have to look like? <laughs> <laughs> it depends on, the, on like, what the company's trying to go for. If they're going for, like, a realistic look and then it looks like stick figures, and I'm like, well, no, you can't tell me, oh, this is, like, super realistic and then it looks like nothing <laughs> like a human looks like. <laughs> I'm not going to pay but for, 70... for your for your 80 bucks, do you want something to look super realistic or do you want something to look more, more artistic? If the art style they're going for is realistic, it needs to look realistic. If the art style they're going for is something more animated, then cool. I'll play that animated game. I love that. Mm-hmm. But I agree with Amanda that time, hours of a game matters. I refused and still haven't yeah. bought Spider-Man Miles Morales because that game's like 50 bucks and it's like, what, 12, 14 hours of gameplay? Well, it's more, it's more than that, but yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not a long <laughs> game. It's not a big long game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, for myself, like, it also depends on the studio. Like uh, Dyson Sphere Factory, I spent, it was a, I got it on sale when it first came out and it was like 17 bucks and I put 30 hours into that game. And I've, you know, I'm extremely happy with my purchase. And then another game came out today uh, called Nuts, which I've been looking for forever uh, since I played the demo last month or last year. And that was the same price. I paid $17 for it. It was only roughly about two hours. It was a two-hour experience. Yeah. But I still feel like I got my $17 mm-hmm. out of that because that's for me, is like a movie. I, w- I would have went to a movie. I would have yeah. paid my 10 bucks. I would have bought some popcorn. But this was like an interactive experience. And I was still perfectly fine with that. But I would not be happy if I paid $40 for that game. I know (laughs) this is going to feel like we made it up for the podcast, but this actually predates the podcast. Is Troy and I like to use what we call our sandwich scale, 
which is like how much does a sandwich <laughs> cost? And it's like, hey, you know, you go to go to maybe it's not even a very good sandwich. It's like you go to Subway, get like a ten dollar sandwich, right? Maybe it comes with a drink. Uh, and and it's like, did I enjoy that as much as I would have enjoyed that sandwich? So how long is it going to take me to eat a sandwich? Mm. And and mm-hmm. so if the game's like ten dollars and I spend three hours playing it, it's just like. I would have finished eating that sandwich in 20 minutes. This is so much better than the value that I would have spent on that food. So <laughs> it, it works. I have the same kind of thing, only I use it in entertainment. I use it in movies or Brian at the nail on the head. I literally look at video games like I look at movies. If I was going to spend 20 bucks, like, because usually Brian and I are both going to movie theater, so we're going to spend 30 or $40 going yeah. to movie theater. We're going to pay our $15 to get in. We're going to pay for $5, $10 for popcorn and a drink or something. So every movie theater experience at the very least is going to be 25 to $30. If I don't get at least two hours of enjoyment out of every $30 I spend on a video game, <laughs> I am angry. Like I've, I've put games, I've spent 60 bucks on a game, put it in and hated it in 20 minutes. And I was like, <laughs> I'm not playing this. I'm so mad that I could have seen three or two movies for the same amount of money. Yeah. And even if I hated that money, I would have enjoyed the experience of being in a movie theater watching a crappy yeah. movie. Which is, it's not the same. Which is why like I'm on board with like the Spider-Man Miles Morales. Yes, it's probably like a 20 hour game but it's like watching five or six good movies back to back to back it's like mm-hmm. a good quality for what you're getting that is cheaper than if i went to the movie theaters and as, as you said joe and, and did that yeah. but that's just our that's, scale though everybody my, yeah. yeah everybody's different though yeah. like yeah. some people don't you know don't put the same value into it some people just refuse to see movies because they do cost so much right and i also completely get that um so yeah, i mean that's you know that's why this is our personal scale <laughs> sometimes i do wish that games that were 40 or 50 bucks because as i have stated many times on the podcast i used to buy games like if three games came out in a week that i wanted to play i'd buy all three of them at full price i never should have done that because sooner or later one of those was never being played so it was a waste of time it was a waste of money and then if i did play one of them it sucked it would have been one of those like damn it i just wasted 60 dollars or 40 dollars yeah. or whatever on this game that I didn't even like. Mm-hmm. Why didn't I just wait and see if I would have liked this? Yeah. Inbound. <laughs> Listen to a podcast, see what they thought about it first right. before purchasing <laughs> it. I wish more places did like a like a test. Like, let me play the first twenty minutes, and if I don't like it, let me return it. Because because like, like a- especially uh, as they get more expensive, if they start hitting the seventy eighty dollar mark, the idea that I would buy something and then know in like the first 45 yeah. minutes just like i, I, I don't feel like like, like this. game demos are kind of less and less prevalent yeah. i feel like there used to be a game demo for every single game that came out but I, maybe they still mm-hmm. are i'm just missing it but i feel like i don't see a game demos for like the big like expensive expensive games yeah like with steam you can return them if you play less than two hours of yeah. a game which is nice that's actually really good better, better actually steam has been yeah. coming out yeah and steam actually has especially for indie games have been coming out with demos like this week actually is a steam game festival and so they've released i think like over one or 200 demos for games that yeah it's come 300 out yeah wow. 300 there we go yeah i feel like i should be clear that i, I cannot spend a hundred dollars per video game like, <laughs> like, you, you ask for my cap and that's like okay yeah. the one game this year I, I will be able to throw down will be for this and that'll be that but like i know if a if hundred dollars were the norm i just would play one way less games i would only be exactly. playing indie games so just to yeah, be clear yeah, your, your boy isn't out here just dropping a hundy, hundy. every time <laughs> every new every game time. dropping benjis everywhere yeah. for all the game developers listening to our podcast please don't oh, raise your prices based oh. on this conversation we were just like you know sky is the limit uh, yeah please 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 don't make us broke i mean oh, but i still do feel but for the amount of time that developers and marketers and everyone involved in making a game put into making a game, they 
are they deserve way more than a hundred dollars in my book i understand that that's you know market and that's not how it works but like i still think just the monumental task of making a game by itself is so mind-boggling to me that i feel like yeah. it's always a steal pretty much uh, <laughs> unless it's like broken yeah <laughs> unless it's, like, unplayable unplayable garbage yeah. Yeah, then they're, then they're stealing from us. That's what. I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's an actual steal. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, thank you for that topic, Manda. And that has been our mighty, mighty morsel, tasty, tasty topic. topic. Now that brings us to our dragon of the week. Adieu, 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 adieu. It's the dragon of the week. It's what you seek. It's the dragon of the week, and it's so chic. Dragon of the week. Dragon of the week. Dragon of the week. Sometimes I I drank a little bit of the soda and didn't quite swallow it in time before I had to sing. And then it's just kind of been there, and then I I have some trouble. It was good. It worked. It's live. Live every week, you know? You know, if only we had the same segments every week so you would know how much time you had in between (laughs) them, Troy. Are drinking interfered with your singing? (laughs) Yes, I'm drinking and singing. Listen, I get thirsty, okay? I get thirsty. What do you want me to do? Don't drink and sing. It would have been worse if I didn't drink. Don't drink and sing. Designator singer. Fair enough. (laughs) 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 But you know, Dragon of the Week is a chance for us to shine a little light, show a little love to a company, a person, uh, maybe a group, you know, could be what, or whatever it is. It's somebody who has contributed to the overall gaming community. And this week, Joe is going to be bringing it to us. That is right. And for the rest of this month, actually, we're going to be putting a bit of a spotlight on our black developers, industry peoples, our people of color who are really, really, really needing some more love because, damn, they make some good games. They Hell do. yeah. Happy Black History Month, y'all. Heck Hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> And today, I am bringing to you one of my favorite people that I have wanted to do as a dragon for a very long time, but I'm going to bring to you uh, Fahim Rashid Najim, better known as the Auto-Tune King T-Pain, small Twitch streamer, and fighting for gamer rights to play music in the background. Get out of here. That's T-Pain's name? That's T-Pain's name? That's yeah. his name. It's a dope Wait. name. That's he his wasn't name. Born Isn't it T-Pain? Dope? Okay, I didn't think I that. I thought at least he was born like little T-Pain. I didn't think that. Oh, you have no idea how hard it is to find anyone actually saying his name because in literally everything since he was a teenager, he has gone by T-Pain, Tallahassee Pain, or Teddy B. It is oh a gosh. lot of goofy names that are not his wow. actual name. I also had no idea that T stood for Tallahassee. <laughs> this makes so much sense. Oh, yes. didn't? Yeah. Yep. Tallahassee Pain. Yep. Gosh, yep. I've already learned so um, much. I'm wait, sorry. Is he from Florida? Yeah. Oh. Yes, yeah. he is. Here's a little bit of history since I'm not going to go terribly into his music history because you can find that everywhere. And yes, everyone should know him and what he's done at this point. He's a two-time Grammy Award winning multi-diamond platinum record holding musician who was at one point considered the like, I believe the phrase was Jesus to save your single <laughs> in, the, in the rap industry. <laughs> he's an amazing person and an amazing singer, let alone auto-tune king. So when he was three years old, wow. he was his first time in a recording studio because one of his father's friends who did gospel music had him in the in the room with him. And he was just messing around on all the keyboards, messing around on all the, the dials and everything. And he kind of just liked it. And he kind of grew up in a recording studio. By the time he was seven years old, he got his first keyboard. How did he get this keyboard? His family wasn't extremely well off. So his dad found it on the side of the road, dusted it off and handed it to him. He has a great story on his Twitch stream where he explains how he had to break the thing open, clean the ants and the dirt out of it so he could play that keyboard. Aww. This is when he was seven. Yeah. 
So uh, by the time he was 10 years old, he was writing songs on that keyboard with his brother, with other people, with other uh, gospel singers that he knew. And he had no drum recording machine. He had no recorder. So he used to tell stories about how him and his brother would listen to the radio and he would figure out the chords while listening to the radio and he only had that song oh. to figure out how, what the <laughs> chords were. So he'd be trying to play along to learn the chords while listening to the radio. He is extremely musically inclined. Yeah. Like, yeah. He is, he's amazing. And around this point in time, he started getting into sampling and mixing other uh, musicians' tracks and rappers' tracks. He got noticed when he was about, uh, I think it was uh, 18 years old, he got noticed by Akon for doing a mix, essentially, a rewrite of one of Akon's songs. And the hook was so good that Akon paid him to come in and put him on his label as a writer for his for his music. Smart, Akon. Otherwise, like... He's like he's just, like get the talent under you before the talent is oh, on yeah. its own taking oh, yeah. from you. <laughs> yep. So it's 2003 at this point, and he is just trying to make it in the industry. And he heard Cher's song, uh, I believe it was "Do You Believe in Love" or something like that. In love after love. Yeah, that one. Bingo, that one. <laughs> he heard that song and loved Auto Tune. He spent two years after hearing that song, learning about Auto Tune, talking to the direct person who created Auto Tune. He studied autotune as if it was a, a religion almost like he it, like was like i think instrument. this is it really yeah. it and that was his thing when he started with it everyone poked fun at him and made fun that he only used autotune but he said it made him different and he said that's why i got to be as big as i was because for the first five years of having that i was the only person yeah. doing it and i made it what it a- was autotune basically. became synonymous with with t-pain yep yeah. yep yep so his first album's coming out. It's 2005. Video games like God of War, Mario Kart DS, Shadow of Colossus are on the shelves. He puts out his first album, Rapper Turnt Sanga. It does very, very well. I believe it went platinum once, I think is what it, No, no, it only went gold. It only went gold. Yeah. So in from 2005 to 2007, he was on about 18 different singles, eight of which went into the top 10 in the Billboard 100. Two of the different times in the course of these two years, his name was on four different songs in the top 10. Wow. Wow. That's how many songs he was involved with. Dude's super down to earth. He curses up a storm, so I will not be able to quote many things he said. <laughs> but it is very true. If you, if you want to hear like a literal, wonderful, like, energy ball of cursing life, he is amazing. <laughs> and his quotes are all great. They're just filled with expletives. <laughs> right on. 2007 was the year that he super blew up. Bioshock was coming out. Halo 3 was coming out. Portal was coming out. Mario Galaxy came out. Mass Effect came out. Rock Band came out. The Witcher came out. While he was doing all these things, writing all these songs, he was playing all these games. He has been an avid gamer his entire life. And everything he talks about in anything, if you hear him, dude is a big nerd. Uh. (laughs) He's a great, awesome big nerd who has brought, like, the cool factor to being a gaming nerd. And he's been doing it since he was a teenager. So he's busy, busy, busy. It's 2007. He's putting out a second album. It's called Epiphany. And it goes double platinum. It is huge. It has a ton of auto-tune in it. So now it's 2008. His third album, The Three Rings, is coming out. GTA 4 is coming out. Fallout 3 is there. Gears of War 2, Metal Gear 4, Fable 2, uh, Smash Brothers Brawl is coming out. And he doesn't have time to play almost anything. He is so invested, though. Like, he brings his Xbox everywhere. He brings his <laughs> Nintendo. He brings his PlayStation. Nice. He had a laptop with him at all times that was always juiced up so he could play games when he was doing anything, anything other than wow. making music. Um <laughs> Yeah, his third, his third album comes out, and I believe it went platinum, but it wasn't considered like a huge, ginormous hit. 2009 to 2010, he has an iPhone auto-tune game that comes out to make your voice sound like his songs <laughs> and sing to them. 
I remember that. Yeah, right. Just a ton of different games came out while he while his career was like taking off still. And at this point in time was when he was starting to realize like I'm going to talk about being a video gamer on everything. <laughs> when they start asking me questions on like big cool things, he'll he starts telling them, "Oh yeah, I have my Xbox in the back. I'm going to go play it right after we've been talking." <laughs> cool. He's like starting to like normalize he it. He really yeah. did. Like they're like you're super cool rapper dude. <laughs> he puts uh, video games in his song lyrics too, doesn't he? Yes, he does. He has an entire album that I'll talk about in a little bit. <laughs> okay. Um, in between 2011 and 2017, he takes kind of a break from a lot of things. He gets kind of depressed because everybody really came down on him about autotune. And even the people that were once respecting him because of it were starting to really turn on him and make it seem like he wasn't musically inclined at all. That this was the only reason he was big is because of autotune. And he's like, I, I know how to sing, guys. I just, yeah. I wanted well, to be well, different. And now I don't even want to use Everyone started doing autotune and then they were kind of yeah. not... Right. They weren't using it in like the artistic way that he was like they weren't putting in the time and the investment to use it like another musical instrument. They were just doing it so that they could ju not really sing the right notes, but still sing the right notes. <laughs> yeah. You are and, completely and, correct. And he's also a huge producer as well. He produced every single one of his tracks that yeah. he released. Yeah. He's, you know, he, he he's a huge producer. He was getting so depressed by it that it kind of put him in a tailspin and he was upset at how he wasn't being taken seriously. Other big rappers and big uh, music stars were like avidly throwing his name in things to make fun of him in their songs. Yeah. And he kind of took a lot of offense to it. And he was like, hey, I like helped a lot of you guys out and like I've made you tracks and made you, you know, I've been part of your, this, this whole system. And now you're treating me like I don't belong here because I wanted to be different and use auto tune at first because I don't even want to use it anymore. He's like, I'm tired of using it too. It's like, I don't need <laughs> but it. It's too closely tied to his name. They can't like. Right. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Exactly. In 2014, something big happens to him. His soon to be brother-in-law brought his gaming laptop and was like, here, dude, I'm going to call a couple of my friends. They do Twitch. We're going to teach you how to do Twitch. And you're just going to do it because everyone will laugh watching you play Twitch. Like you'll, you have like a really effervescent personality. You make everybody have a good time. Like they, this will help other people who are going through the same kind of depression and the same kind of sadness that you are. And maybe you could build a community outside of the music industry. These people don't know you. No one online knows you. You're nobody essentially in this gaming industry. So how about try Twitch? His very first stream is him playing Doom and he goes through everything first-time streamers go through, even as a giant celebrity who's got <laughs> Grammys and tons of money. He was t explaining in the opening of his Twitch stream, he's like, this is real. He goes, I, you know, I, I, what, do you, what do you guys want me to do? Do I need to read the chat first or do I need to play the game first? Someone tell me what I should be doing. He has a friend helping him out and his friend is trying to tell him what to do. And he's like, look, look, I don't have this problem unless you're here. Why are you telling me what to do? I'm going to play the game. From the it's so cute because he really went through everything that like a normal tiny yeah. streamer goes through he went through that with barely any fans too it did not he did not hit it off and then immediately become big like he was one of the first celebrities to step into twitch from being a celebrity to, and like to the idea of downgrading to being just a twitch streamer and he's like i love this so his whole first stream is up so online i believe it's on youtube and it's on twitch it's like three hours long it's hysterical he curses a lot you know, <laughs> so don't watch it at work He's just been a streamer since day one. Like, he loves it. Everything he does is really, really fun online. One of the really cool reasons that I wanted to talk about him, though, is something that he did last year. In 2019, there was a lot of DCMAs happening to Twitch streamers, and in 2020, it kicked it up 
like hardcore. Yeah. Twitch streamers were getting slammed to take down their old VODs, their old clips, if it had music that they didn't own in it or they, they weren't allowed to actually play. So a lot of Twitch streamers would just play jams in the background. They throw on a Spotify list. Don't even, they're not singing the song. They're not really, right. the song's not really part of it, but they didn't pay to have that music played on a channel. So they weren't allowed to have it. T-Pain saw that early in March of 2020 and was very upset by how many Twitch streamers that he adored that he really liked were getting hit with these DCMAs and had to rip down hundreds of their VODs. Like they could not leave anything up. They were getting copyright claimed. They would get in trouble and Twitch will take you down if you don't get rid of them because Twitch has no way of paying the fine for how many pieces of music would be in an eight hour stream from just leaving the radio on basically. So he decided in 2020 he was going to do what he could for streamers because he was a little streamer too. And he felt like, I'm going to make 162 tracks. I'm going to leave it on a uh, SoundCloud and I'm going to make a playlist of just beats to play in the background that are completely free in every way for everyone to stream on any platform. It didn't matter what you played it on. Yeah, and he did. By June, he had 162 tunes on the Pizzle Pack playlist. And you can go to the SoundCloud playlist right now if you are a streamer. and Or even if you just want to have beats to play in the background when you do anything else. You can use this music for free. You will never get DCA made from it. He owns every bit of the music. He made a ton of his old catalog of music that he did own. He made that free for you to use online. He was on Hot Ones and the, he was explaining to the, the Hot Ones host. Chris Evans. That uh, it's no, Sean, Evans. Sean, Sean Evans. No, he's Captain America. He's <laughs> <laughs> <It's> Captain America. <laughs> he was explaining, he explains to Sean Evans how important it is to let streamers have music and have things in the background because it's really ridiculous to treat them like like they you know like they were on purpose screwing over the, the music industry and there's no right there was no way for them to actually pay. How do you pay? Which who do you pay when you have an eight hour stream and you play a hundred songs? Which one of those artists gets paid for that eight-hour stream? Do you pay all hundred of them? Do you pay? You know, how do you work? How does that even work? You can't. So he tried to explain the math to it, and he was like, "And I just, I'm a streamer. I, I really needed something for people to be. And I wanted to be. I'm part of this community. I want to be part of the answer. And so he did it, and it's awesome. Uh, I believe he streams two or three days a week, and the intro is unbelievably cool and it doesn't matter what day of the week it's always cool he changes it up and about monthly he changes it entirely like it's a new beat it's a new thing he went super viral for doing a couple of his intros that were just they're like really badass guys like like he is again he's just a music genius like he's so musically inclined it doesn't matter what he's doing it just sounds freaking cool and beautiful i believe in 2019 uh to i think it was 2019 is when he was on mass singer and that was when the rest of the world found out that he could sing he didn't need the auto-tune. He has a beautiful voice. Yep. And and it, like, a lot of success for him has come from that as well. He felt like at that moment he had gained the respect back from a lot of the people that were hating on him for so long that caused that like depressive spiral that made him very sad. And he's like, this is that was one of those moments in my life where I immediately wanted to show who I was. So he took off that mask. He showed everybody who he was. He got respect. And then he dropped an album called One Up, and it's filled with video game Yay! stuff. Yay! <laughs> what? That album is the, yeah, that's his first album he released on his own, completely independently from any record label. He's just one of those people that is so full of energy, and he can really, he lights up a room. 
even cursing up a storm dude is having a great time i watched a ton of interviews with him go from gary v to different small podcasts talking about video games with him and even when it was a music thing he made it very clear that he was a gamer first wow like this is what brought him <laughs> happiness he was a nerd and he was like i'm a i'm a nerd being handed like all this cool stuff i'm still a nerd don't you ever forget it i i adore him if, if it's not clear he oh oh fun side note he with cardboard cowboy made an amazing animal crossing uh in 2020 made an amazing animal crossing uh, song yeah about I, tom nook and how yeah mm-hmm. you've heard it it's great yeah i remember following some of some of his exploits of him talking about being on animal crossing uh as t-pain and i thought it was like whoa wait t-pain and i, I never thought to, to look into it any further so that's, that's uh, he cool loved though. playing Animal Crossing. He said it was the most perfect toilet game for the quarantine. <laughs> 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 he loved playing Animal Crossing with his wife. He he. There was a couple really big moments on Twitter for him where his wife took pictures of them in the game and said like, "When your boo brings you what you need," and Aww. it's like him bringing her bells. And he's like, "My girl didn't have enough, so I had to make sure she was set for the week." And there's like a whole pile of little bells behind them, and they're like <laughs> smiling and singing. It's oh, it's so cute. It's so darn cute. Uh, like, I'm looking at him on Twitch right now. He has over five hundred thousand followers and yeah. currently uh, f- he's live well he's live right now he has two over two thousand live viewers yay yeah nice. uh, i actually right followed now. him for a while now i've actually followed him even before he was on mass singer oh yeah he's just actually hilarious and <laughs> he actually makes he actually makes music on stream a lot of times as That's well great. like you just he'll spend like two streams just making a soundtrack or just making a track whatever what a great so way to he, like he's awesome reinvent yourself yeah. Yep. He's he's epic. He's he's a really just an unbelievably cool person who has done something really important for the streaming community, the gaming community, giving them a a hundred and sixty two songs just leave on play and it doesn't matter. Uh and they're good. Oh my gosh, they're, they're great. great. <laughs> I was listening Brian, to make we should some get that on our like, channel. I don't know how do <laughs> it. We can. Do it. Just gotta play it in the background. We can. Yeah, we, we, we totally can. Oh. I, I wanna I wanna leave this with a quote. This is something he said in early in his career. Uh, he was explaining to a very large studio why he is the way he is. And they were like, oh, yeah, you're really you're really good at music. You know, you really know what you're doing. You're a genius. And he's like, I'm an avid gamer. I've been pretty, pretty much a gamer my whole life. So I'm starting to implement gaming into my music and to my things and to my stuff like that. And then he said a whole lot of expletives. But the basis of it is it made it turned everything around for him. Mm. He loves music. He loves gaming. And he's also teaching his kids to game. Uh, oh, his yeah. little girl is an avid gamer, and they play games together. He has a whole setup in his house. His studio has games everywhere in it. So I just wanted to give a little love to T-Pain. Awesome, Pro yeah. streamer <laughs> T-Pain. <laughs> Boom. My, uh, my favorite thing that he ever said while he was on stream was, I spent $100,000 on this room, on this streaming room. Uh, a good chunk of it is stuff I don't ever use. Like this table in the middle right here, I don't use it, but it cost me $16,000 because <laughs> I had it handmade by this person. And then this over here, he's just explaining money he's wasted on a room. <laughs> so what do you think his game cap is? Like 60 bucks, 65 bucks maybe? <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, I think it's clearly, yeah. I think it's $2,000 on a Sub-Zero mask that he put in the background. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Uh, same <laughs> All right, cool. Well, thank you so much, Joe, for, for that Dragon of the Week. Uh, unfortunately, though, that brings us to the end of this week's episode but you can always listen to your comments if you left us one on twitch that's right we're going to circle back to our promised comment of the week 
Uh, Manda, do you have who is our commenter of the week from Twitch this week? Our comment of the week comes from Freed TMG, who says, Hats are like a box of chocolates. Thank you, Freed TMG, for giving us an excuse to wear all of our crazy hats and for your dedication to puns. We also enjoyed na 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 hat man. Brilliant. Freed's my hero. Wow. Beautiful work. Nice. Comment throughout next week on Twitch to see if maybe your comment will be featured in next week's podcast. Well, thank you so much. And uh, yeah, so I'll do it for this week's episode. As always, my name is Brian. My name is Troy. Amanda. I'm Lewis. And I'm Joe. And we are the, the Taste, Taste of Dragons. Dragons. Have a great week, everyone. Uh, I'm on his Twitch site right now. He has his son on, and he looks like a little bird. <laughs> <laughs> He's a wee pain. He's a wee pain. <laughs> Taste of Dragons gaming podcast. No podcast for everyone's taste.